Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. Baggage. Let me jump into baggage. I want to talk to you today, really, from the text of where we get our series from, for the whole series, our, our text, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight, the baggage that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy of waiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Let us strip off every weight, all the baggage, to help us run the race that God has set before us. I want to talk to you today about the baggage of failure, the baggage of failure. I want to talk to you about the baggage of failure. Failure. A lot of times what we can do is we can think of failure as it's this, this thing we avoid. It's this thing I've heard people say, uh, failure is not an option. We say, we say all these different things, but oftentimes, which many of us know this, we all realize we've gone through seasons where we failed. Relationally, maybe in a business deal, uh, maybe with someone you failed someone uh, as a friend, maybe you failed someone, uh, maybe you failed yourself, maybe you failed God and you made this colossal mistake. And there's all these different things we walk through. But I want to talk to you from the story of Peter and Jesus when they're walking on water. This is a story many of you probably know, you've heard it, you know Jesus walked on water. I want to show it to you from the lens or the context and what God was showing me. Uh, with failure. The scripture says in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 24, it says, meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified in their fear. They cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. He said, take courage I am here. Then Peter called to him. I love Peter. He's like, you know what? If that's Jesus, I can do this. You know, he said, he said, Peter says, call him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Jesus is like, all right, yeah, sure. Let's go. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. Verse 30. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped, and then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Here in this story, Jesus is walking on the water. He sees the disciples in this mighty storm, and he goes to kind of walk past them. They see him. He's probably just checking on them. They see him. They think he's a ghost. He says, no, calm down, relax. It's me. Peter gets excited. If that's you, Jesus, tell tell me to come out because if you can walk on water, I know I can walk on water. Peter steps out. He walks on water. He sees the wind. He sees the waves. He gets all nervous. He gets all rattled. He begins to sink. The Bible says he calls out to Jesus. Jesus reaches down, picks him up. As he picks him up, they get back into the boat. When they get back into the boat, the wind stops. They begin to worship God because they realize Jesus truly is who he says he is. He is the son 
of God. That being said, from this text, from this scripture, I want to show you really how I believe we, we see a Peter and his failure, but then also how we are to re- recoup from failure. I want to show you that today. Number one, Matthew chapter 14 and verse 28 says, then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the other side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. When they saw the strong wind and waves, when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink and screamed or shouted, save me, Lord. This is what we have to realize. The first thing that we know about failure is we have all failed. We have all failed. Nobody on the planet other than Jesus has not failed. The scripture says we all know it in Romans chapter six, chapter three, excuse me, in verse 23. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all failed. No one on the planet other than Jesus is undefeated. The greatest athletes on the planet, in fact, if you look at the greatest athletes that ever lived, they have all at some point lost. Nobody's undefeated. We've all failed. And what can happen is we can have this concept of failure is me. Failure is just my, it just happens to me. It doesn't happen to someone else. But we have to realize to be encouraged that everyone has failed. We've all made mistakes. We've all fallen short. And I love it because Peter jumps into the boat. He could have easily looked at the disciples that were in the boat. And he could have felt like I'm all alone. There's nobody out here with me. I'm the only one failing. But if you think about it, they all were sinking. And here's what failure does. Failure, if we're not careful, can mentally get us to the place where we begin to feel like we sink. We shrink back from what God is calling us to do. We shrink back from who we are supposed to be. We shrink back with confidence because of something that's happened. And this is where this concept of sinking can happen. But be encouraged to know we've all failed. No one that you see that you feel feel like is further along than you has not failed. And so we have to understand this. We've all failed. We've all failed. We've all fallen short. No one's undefeated. In fact, I got some little tweets that I can show you of people just to prove to you that we've all failed. Let's show it to you. If you want to pull up the first one, a five-year-old ring bearer stomped and growled the whole way down the aisle while shouting, I'm the ring bear. (laughs) Wedding fail. Come on, somebody. Wedding failed. Next one, very quickly. When I was a kid, I went to Disney. Uh, my family and I went to Disney World, and we, my parents thought, the law, oh, I can't even read. Parents thought they lost my sister, so of course they started freaking out, calling her names, scaring everyone around us, only to realize that she was sitting on my dad's shoulders the whole time. <laughs> Parent fail. Screaming for the kid, she's right here. Okay, cool. I broke up with my girlfriend at a restaurant. She started crying. Everyone thought I had proposed, so they started clapping. <laughs> Woo! You got it? Good job. <laughs> screaming, screaming, just hugged my dentist because thinking he was, going in for, uh, she, he was going in for one, but really he was just taking off my dental bib. Don't think I could ever recover from this. No, not good. Okay. A waitress said, enjoy your meal. I replied, love you too. <laughs> We've all failed. We've all failed. We've all fallen short. I know these are obviously silly little things that people have done, but it's just an example of to let you know, obviously, is a funny illustration, that we've all fallen short. And I love this because oftentimes we look at the story of Peter sinking. And I've heard all kinds of teachings on Peter sinking, but I've never, I've never heard this. As I was studying this today, I'm not just today, this week, the Lord showed me, I was, I was reading it. It says that he, as he was seized the wind, he seized the waves, The Bible says that he begins to sink. He began to sink. Now, here's the question that I have to ask you. How do you begin to sink? You either sink or you don't. 
Like, I've never been, like, in a pool and, like, No, like you jump in, you sunk. And this scripture, isn't it interesting that it says, and you can look at every translation throughout the scripture, it all says he began or beginning to sink. He had this concept of he sees the wind and waves and must have been where he slowly starts to sink. Isn't it interesting that even in his failure of not keeping his eyes on Jesus, isn't it interesting that Jesus was still doing a miracle around him? The miracle is this, he didn't just sink, he began to sink. So we have to understand this, that even in our failures, God is at work. God is at work in our lives even when we fall short, even when we make the wrong business deal, even when we decide to make the wrong decision. He's still at work. We should, honestly, he should have sank. If the wind was was that strong and the waves were that bad, he took his eyes off of Jesus, he should have just like, whoop. And been and sinking. But the Bible says he began to sink, meaning he, this concept of he slowly starts sinking, and he starts to call out to Jesus, and Jesus reaches out and grabs him. It shows us a picture of even when we walk through things in our lives that we call failures, even when we make those decisions or mistakes, we understand that Jesus is still at work in our lives. Why? Because he loves us, because he cares for us, and he's there for us. I love this because it's so important we understand that when we walk through failures, he's not, we're not alone, uh, but he's with us. And there's usually in the, in the context of failure, and even in the scripture, there's two types of people. They have these risk takers. These risk takers almost get excited about jumping out and doing things. Peter was a risk taker. He saw Jesus. He said, let's, jump, let's do it. Jump, let me just jump out. Let me bounce. Let me, let's do it. Let's figure it out. And then that you have people that are more cautious, that aren't risk takers, that are more, uh, more, more reserved, and they're praying about things. Now, the thought process of this is, well, the risk taker, they're the more adventurous. And, uh, uh, and honestly, that, that could be true in some different aspects, but normally the risk takers are the ones that fail the most. But here's, isn't it interesting, on both these sides, there's two different types of people, and they both failed. Let me explain. One, Peter was the risk taker, but he didn't put his trust completely in Jesus, and so he failed. The others were in the boat, but yet they didn't trust Jesus enough. They were too concerned, the fear of failure, that they never stepped out. So there's two types of, of, of types of failure when we're talking about seeking God. Here's what happens. If, it's, if we're risk takers, for those, that are, for those of us that are risk takers in the room, we have to be careful to understand. We need to be patient and wait for the voice of the Lord. I love it that he says, if it's really you, tell me to come. Oftentimes, risk takers, here's what we do. We just jump. And then we say, God, I hope you're with me. Come on, somebody. And then we realize halfway through, uh-oh. He's not with us. What are we going to do? And then you have the other people on the other side who are more cautious. Here's what happens. You have to, yes, okay, you're patient for his voice, but then you have to be able to be bold enough to follow his voice. See, the ones that have the fear of failure, it can hinder us. I believe this. Fear of failure can be one of the greatest hindrances from stepping out and obeying God into what he's called you to do. Because we're afraid of what someone may think or we're afraid of what may happen or we're afraid of what's going on. And then the risk takers on the other side, we're not afraid of that stuff, but we're on the other side where we're just jumping out not being patient for his voice. The question we have to ask ourselves, did he say go? Did he say step? Or is he telling me to wait and be patient because I have to wait for his voice? So both sides, I have to wait for his voice or I have to follow his voice. And this is how we remain and really in the navigating process of, his, of, of following him and seeking him so that we don't fall into these moments 
of failure in our lives. I love this, and, and it, for me, Many of you probably know my story. Some of you may not, but I was, uh, uh, I, was uh, I went to school, and I was uh, young, and I was dumb, praise God. But I, I got this opportunity uh, to be a youth pastor in North Carolina, and uh, I, I was just like, I didn't even really pray about it. I was just like, I was so hungry and desperate to be uh, a youth pastor. I really just was like, I prayed about it for a moment or two, and I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I went to my pastor, and I was just like, oh, this, I got this job offer. I'm going to take it. I didn't ask for advice. I just did it. Well, let me tell you something. I went out there for three months. It was the worst three months of my life. Some of the worst, I mean, it was some of the most, it felt like three years. But what had happened was I stepped out because I wanted something so bad that I wasn't patient on what God was calling me to do. And so here's what happens. Three months later, I had to call the, the pastor that I had been working for in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I called him, and I had to, I had to go back with my tail between my legs and just said, this isn't, this isn't it. And so he just said, come on back. He was great. He was awesome. He loved me. He helped me. Sir. All that's great. But I had to go back to almost like restart or reset from the three months. Well, what does this show us? And again, people were like, oh, man, well, well, you know, God uses everything. And that's true. I learned a lot. There's no question about it. But if I would have been patient, I believe this, if I would have been patient and waited for the voice of the Lord and not just stepped out because I wanted something, I would have been much more, I believe, I would have been able to learn and grow in an even greater way than me just stepping out and just saying, okay, this is what I want. For those of you that are single in the room, be careful in the relationships. Just because you want a relationship so bad doesn't mean it's time to step out. For those that are, are frustrated with their jobs in the room or online, be careful you don't just step out just because you want something different. Make sure that you're in a process of where you're saying, okay, I want to seek the Lord. And as I seek the Lord, I'm allow my his voice to lead me in my life. Not just going to hear it. Oftentimes, that's what we do. God, do you want us to say it? We don't hear no. It must be God. Praise God. Let's go. And then two months, three months, four months, eight months, however long it is, we look back and we say, man, we should have waited on that decision. We should have waited to do that. Everybody in this room and online, we could all say there's been moments in our lives and seasons in our lives where we wish we could go back and change a thought or a decision that we made because it would, it would change some of the perspective and some of the things that happen to us in our lives. But here's what's cool about the God that we serve. We can't go back, but we can be a people that say, as we look at those things, we can learn from those things to become who he's called us to be. Does that make sense? We've all failed. Okay, number two, let's keep going. Uh, in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 30, it says, but when he saw the strong winds and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? We have to understand if really we're talking about the baggage of failure, how do we really walk and recoup from failure? We have to know that we've all failed, but then two, we have to fail forward. Fail forward. You'll hear the people say this oftentimes where they'll say fail forward, meaning this, that when we fail, we make a mistake. I want to take time and I actually want to learn from this. I don't want to just fail and then I just get back up and I just hope for the best and then I fail again. And then I learn from this and I do this again and I fail again. I get back up. Jesus, And then it's a cycle almost of where we just keep failing. Honestly, we can see that in the Old Testament with the Israelites. They kept failing. They kept and they end up wandering for 40 years. And here's what happened. They kept complaining. They get something else. They kept complaining. And it got to the point where they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Why? Because they never failed forward. They never learned from their mistakes. They just said, this is what we feel. This is what we want. This is what we do. This is oftentimes what people do in relationships. 
Let's be honest. What we oftentimes will get into a relationship, and next thing you know, it, it doesn't work out. There's regret, there's guilt, there's shame, there's all these things. And the next thing you know, we, 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 we pick ourselves back up. We get healthy a little bit again. Next thing you know, we jump back into another relationship. And it, it, it's another a, a toxic relationship. And next thing you know, you'll have people say things like, yeah, I'm just attracted to toxic. Then you weird. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not normal, okay? And so here's the thing. It's not that, it's not that we can say, okay, yeah, uh, shame on you for doing those things. No, it's the concept of understanding, okay, if we do fail, we want to take moments where we say, okay, let's really learn from this. How, do we, how, how did I get to the place where I did fail? How, do I, how did I get to the place where I did make that mistake, where I did make that decision on that business deal? I did make that. How did I get to that point on the, for those that are parents in the room? How did I get to that point where I made that parent fail? Whatever it may be, where did my thought process get me to? How can I re or alter those things? Why? Because I want to fail forward. I want to grow from this so I don't fail again in the same season, in the same situation. Does that make sense? So important that we understand this. And I love this because, you know, there's different ways that we see in the scripture. Very quickly, I want to show you on what we are to do. I see Peter did. Uh, yes, Peter did, excuse me, on, on helping us fail forward. Number one, it says, but when he saw the strong winds and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord. When he saw the strong winds and waves, when he saw strong winds and waves, we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. The first thing, I love Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. It says that we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. We have to, if you really want to be a person to recoup from failure and fail forward, learn from your mistakes, we got to keep our eyes on Jesus. We can put our eyes on the failure. We can put our eyes on a situation, a relationship, a friend, a fr uh, something else. And here's what happens. All those things can be things that hinder us from really walking out and doing and living the way he's called us to live. We say keep our eyes on Jesus. The question I always ask when I hear things like this, these churchy type words and phrases, well, how do we do that? How do we really keep our eyes on Jesus. I'm glad you asked. I'll explain. One time I was with a friend and we went to an art gallery and it was an art gallery with all kind of abstract art, all different types of abstract art. And, you know, me and my, my personality, I'll just say it that way. Like I look at it for three seconds. I'm like, oh, let's go to the next one. I look at the next, I'm like, let's go to the next. And he's like staring at one. He's just staring at it. You know, for like 20 minutes, he'll stare at one painting. I'm, I've already walked through the whole building four times. You know what I'm saying? Seen all the paintings. They all look great. He's still focused on one. And, he's, and one, I remember, we, we, we get together, and he's looking at it, and he says, bro, what do you see? What do you see? I'm like, man, this is deep, bro. This is a painting. So I, I, start, I start looking at the painting, and for those of you that are in art, you know this. As you look at the painting, the longer you look at the painting, the more you start to see. It's really strange, but it's kind of cool. Like, it's really cool. It's like, like you look at it. And as you look at it, he's like, man, do you see like the clouds are coming down and like reaching and grabbing? And I'm like, yeah, I do see that. But here's what's, here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting. This is what the Lord showed me. We talk about keeping our eyes on Jesus. Oftentimes, we're like I am or I was in the ark alley. Well, we'll bounce from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing to thing. And Jesus is wanting us to stop and say, the more I focus on him, the more I see him. So as I stop and study my word, I know Kenny just brought a great word on, on the word. As I study the word, here's what happens. Now the word, it's not just I'm just reading it to, get, to read a book and I'm just getting through the pages. No, as I study it, here's what happens. The word comes alive into my life and it helps me focus more on him. 
It's saying, okay, I want to really focus my attention. It's when we say keep our eyes on Jesus. It doesn't mean we walk around with our eyes up in the sky and we're Jesus, 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 Jesus. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about that we would stop and we would allow his word and allow as we pray his voice to speak to us. And it, it, it helps shape and shift the way that we live our lives and the way that we see our lives. And so this is what we must do. Take time. <gasps> Breathe. Don't bounce from thing to thing all day long. Give yourself a moment and an opportunity to really allow God to speak to you throughout your day. I believe this is how we keep our eyes on Jesus. I love it. As we keep going, it says, and it says that, uh, it says, uh, Lord Jesus, he says, Lord, if this is you, he says, tell me to come. He says, tell me to come. Okay, so we got to keep our eyes on Jesus, but also we have to remember his word. Make sure you're studying the word, knowing that we keep our eyes on Jesus. We remember his word. What does God say about me? What does God say about my life? Then he says this in verse 31. Oh, no, excuse me, verse 30. He was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Keep our eyes on Jesus. Remember his word. Ask for help. Ask for help. When we're in seasons of where we feel like we failed, the greatest thing you can do to fail forward is ask for help. Who in your life, this is what I always ask people, who in your life is in your life to where when you're down, they, they can grab on, they can lock onto you and they can help you and encourage you and hold you and walk with you in your life. Obviously, Jesus is one of those people. The Bible says he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. So obviously, Jesus is always there. We see this in the scripture. Peter calls out to Jesus, and Jesus immediately reaches out to him. I want to let you know in this room, online, maybe you're far from God. You feel like you could never get close enough to God. I want to let you know you are not far from God. God is there. All he's waiting for you to do is to call out to him so he can reach you, reach out to you and grab you in whatever issue or situation or struggle that you're walking through in your life. This is the God that we serve. Through failures, we realize we need help. Through failures, oftentimes, we realize we need help. We can sometimes get successful in things, and we can start to almost carry the weight of thinking that we got it all together, that we can handle it, that we can take care of it, that our giftings, our abilities will carry us to, to continue to be successful. When we fail, we realize we are not able to do it on our own that we need help. This is why Jesus, I believe, sometimes we go through failures and this is why Jesus is waiting for us because he wants us to realize that we need him in our lives. We all know that we need him in our life as far as with sin. We know that there's nothing we can do to remove the sin off of our life, but because of Jesus and his life, his, because he chose to die and give his life, the Bible says that he carries the sin. He took on the sin, the weight and the, and the shame and the death and the, the penalty of sin so now that we can receive that Grace and salvation from him. We understand this, so we have to understand. We got to ask for help. Then fourth, very quickly, he says this. You, you, you have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? We have to keep our eyes on Jesus, remember his word, ask for help, and then we need to learn from it. We need to learn from it. My whole life, I'm just going to be 100% real with you. My whole life, when I've read this scripture, this text, I've always thought Jesus was saying it like this. <sighs> You have such little faith. Why would you doubt me? I'll always have seen this picture of Jesus as frustrated and angry at Peter. But 
Never in the scripture does the Bible say that Jesus was upset or angry. In fact, the Bible says in Psalms chapter 145 and verse 8, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion and slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Bible says that Jesus said, you have not seen me do anything that I have not seen the Father do. I have not said anything that the Father has not said. So if God the Father is gracious and full of compassion, If he's slow to get angry and great in mercy, then why would we look at Jesus when Peter fails and think Jesus is upset or mad at Peter? This is how we can feel. We can feel like when we make a mistake and we feel we've made the same mistake 10 times, seven times, four times, that God is frustrated with us and mad at us. No, the Bible says that the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to get angry and great in mercy. He's not frustrated with you. In fact, he loves you. Uh, the Lord showed me this this week. Again, my whole life, I've always seen it as God was mad at Peter. Jesus was mad and upset at Peter. You have such little faith, pop, you, you little dummy. You know what I'm saying? That's what I've always thought. But could it be that Jesus was actually asking him the question and not out of frustration? Could he have been asking it to him out of love and helping him learn? He says, you have such little faith. Why'd you doubt me? Could it be that he was actually articulating, trying to get Peter to articulate why it was that he doubted? So here's what it was. It's not, why'd you doubt me? Ah, ah, ah. Could it have been he was like being a father or a brother who loved Peter and said, let's talk about this. Where did you mess up? Because we got to fix some things. Where is it that you doubted me? When was it? Was it when you saw the wind? When you felt the wind? Was it when you saw the waves? When was it that you you took your eyes off of me and caused you to have such little faith? Could it be that Jesus loved him so much that even in his failure, he was trying to love him and show him a way to learn from his mistake, even in that moment? This is what God wants us to do. He wants us to understand that he's a loving God. He's a God that cares for us. No, he doesn't want us to stay in our mess. Of course not. But he does want us to know that he wants us to fall or fail forward where as we do this, we get with him. And he can begin to convict us and begin to speak to us and can begin to uh, allow us to begin to articulate what it is that got us to the point of that failure. Was it that I was impatient? Was it that I didn't trust you enough? Was it that my eyes weren't on you, it was on some object or some person on this planet? What was it in my life that caused me to doubt? Notice Jesus doesn't say, oh, Peter, you have such little faith. Why'd you fail? He doesn't say, I can't believe you, Peter. You are a terrible person. You failed. He doesn't even mention failing. Here's what Jesus does. Jesus mentions he doubted him, meaning this. Jesus wasn't looking at the failure. He was looking at the root of the failure. He wanted him to understand, I want you to learn from this from the very first moment that you're up here. I'm grabbing you. I'm reaching out to you. I'm holding on to you. But then I'm going to ask you, okay, how did you, what happened? How did you get to this point? Why? Because I want you to know, I got you and I don't want you to do it the next time. This is the God that we serve. It's not this frustrated God that when we fail, he's up in heaven. He's like, again, (sighs) you little peasants. That's not the God that we serve. We serve a personal God who loves us, who cares for us, who wants the best for us. 
all we must do that when we make the mistake is that we call out to him. And then also as we call out to him, we say, okay, God, I want to learn from this. Show me. Speak to me. Speak to my heart. Articulate what it is that happened to get me to the point where I did that. Why, God? Because I want to do better next time. I want to serve you greater on the, on the next one. Why? Because, God, I know you love me and you care for me and you gave your life for me. And so, God, I want to give my life to you. This is the God that we serve. I, I, it just completely changed my perspective on the scripture when God showed me this. The root, he was pointing out the root. And here's what we must do. When we go into failures, oftentimes, um, excuse me, when we, when we walk into failure or walk out of failure, oftentimes we just look at the, the, the big picture of the big decision that we made that costed us the issue or the situation or the finances or whatever it was when really God wants us to go into the root of why we got to that place. Because you can, you, can, you can scratch the fruit and rub all that, erase all that all you want and say, oh, man, I can't believe I made that decision or I can't believe that happened. Or, and that's all great. But what was the root of it? Because if we can pull the roots out from in our hearts, here's what happens. It's going to cause us to not make the same mistake again. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Everybody good? Everybody all right? Okay, cool. Sweet. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 32, it says, when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. The disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. I'm talking about the baggage of failure. We have to realize we've all failed. We have to fail forward. Then also we have to know that failure isn't fatal. Failure isn't fatal. I love this because, I, and I've walked through this, and many of you may have too. I walked through this with a situation in North Carolina where Peter steps outside the boat. He's walking on water. Really the only man other than Jesus that we know of that's ever walked legitimately on water. He's walking on water doing this incredible miracle. He looks, as it takes his eyes off of Jesus, he looks at the waves and he feels the wind. He sees the rain and he starts, the Bible says he begins to sink. He calls out to Jesus. Jesus grabs him, reaches out to him, pulls him up, and asks him, why'd you doubt? And trying to learn from this experience and this situation. But then they get back into the boat. Oftentimes, this is how failure feels. Failure feels like I got to reset. I got to go all the way back to where it once was. I had to do this in Baton Rouge. I was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Go Tigers, you know what I'm saying? And I was in... I was in Okay, praise God. We got somebody that loves Jesus. Okay, praise God. We got somebody that loves Jesus in here. Okay, good. I'm just joking. I made this decision, stepped out out of impatience. Three and a half months later, I had to turn around and I went back to the same exact place. Almost like the three and a half months had to just be erased and I had to hit the reset. And oftentimes we'll hear people preach this where it's like you got your video game system and you hit the reset button and everything starts back over. And now, okay, we, we're, three and a half months are gone. No. But this is what failure can feel like. Peter, I'm sure, feel this, felt this way. He steps out. He's hyped for Jesus. Oh, me and Jesus, we're walking on water. All of a sudden, uh, somebody hits him hard with the waves. All of a sudden, he looks around. He's like, oh, oh. He starts to sink. Now, next thing you know, here he goes. He's stepping back into the boat with all his boys. Back in the same spot. I messed up my microphone. Back in the same spot. And this is what failure can do. Failure can get us to the point of where we feel like we're sinking so much so that when we actually come out of it, now, I've got to start all over relationally. 
I gotta start, oh, I went bankrupt on my business decisions. Now I gotta start all the way over with my business decisions. And I love this because Jesus and Peter get back in the boat. Their feet are in the same location. I love this. I love this. This is what the Lord showed me. I love it. I love it. I love it. It says that they stepped back into the boat and the wind stopped. And it says the disciples worshiped him. Just a few moments before, the Bible says that they were in the boat. And the Bible says they were incredible amount of fear to the point of where honestly these guys thought they might die that's how great this storm was they're gripped with fear in a mo- in a few moments peter jumps out jesus comes up peter jumps out they're talking they wake the next thing you know he falls picks him up gets back in the boat the wind stops so just because they were in the same location with their feet does not mean their heart was in the same position See, we can be in the same location, but our hearts can be in a totally different position. This is what God does with failure. Yes, we may have to reset and get back to where we start a new relationship. You may have to start a new job. You have to start something fresh. Yes, you may have to start your relationship with God back. But here's the great thing. It's not just we're starting something new. No, God has not just hit the reset and now it's all fresh. No, here's what it is. I understand now my heart is positioned differently because I've learned from my situation. Here's what happens. They start to worship him. In a moment, they're gripped with fear. A few moments later, they're worshiping him. The Bible says that there was such great wind and such great chaos in a moment. And then Jesus steps into the boat and there's complete peace. It shows us this, that we understand this. I love this. We, we understand this. That see, if we're willing to say, God, we want you to, we want you to use this situation. We want to fail forward. We, when we make the mistake, God, we want to learn from it. We want to grow from it. Here's what happens. The storm was completely calmed. Even though, even though they were in the same physical location, all kind of things had changed. Their heart's position had changed. One, Jesus was getting glory. Before they were gripped in fear and they were, their situation was overwhelming them. Now they're giving Jesus glory when Jesus was not even getting glory just a moment ago. Not only is Jesus getting glory, Jesus is with them and they're close to him. They're in relationship with him and then they're worshiping him. So this is important for us because this is what happens oftentimes. Failure can get us to shrink back. Failure can get us to get it to the point where we've made too many mistakes and now there's this disconnection or this distance between. No, the God that we serve wants us to know. Yes, you got to call out to him, of course, but he wants you to know know that when you do call out to him that he's there but then not only is he there he's shifted all types of things that you didn't even realize to help you become who he's called you to be in your in his in your life and in his plan and his purpose for your life this is the God that we serve he's an incredible God that even in our failures I love I love I love that even in our failures he'll use it to grow us and to allow us the privilege to give him the glory through it. This is the God that we serve. And this is why it's not fatal. Fatal, we through, all throughout the scripture, we see biblical characters like Joseph who made great, a great mistake of pride. We see David who made a great mistake of adultery. We see, we see Moses who, who disobeyed. We see all these incredible men and women of God who made these incredible mistakes. And yet, these are the men and women we reflect 
out of the Bible to live our lives like. Why? Because Jesus and God wants us to know that, f- that, that failure is not fatal. It's not this, oh my gosh, I messed up. It's over for me. His plan's over for me. I'll never get another chance. I'll never get another shot. This is it. No. The God we serve, all we must do is call out to him. He reaches out to us. He puts us back in the boat. And we puts us back in the boat. There's all new opportunities. So failure is not fatal. If you're in this room or online and you've walked through something in your life and you feel like maybe it's divorce for those that may be in the room or online, you, you're walking through or wa- have walked through a divorce and you feel like it's just it, your, your relationships are over. I want to encourage you. Failure isn't fatal. We serve a God who is so much greater than our own failures. How do we remove the baggage? We, do, we just do what Peter did. Say, God, I need you. Can't do it without you, and I can't remove this without you. And as I do that, God, I want to learn from this. And as I learn from this, I want to continue to become who you've called me and created me to be. Let us be a people, a church that walks and lives a life to where, one, if we failed, that we would be a people to, one, reach out to God, but then, two, let us be a people if those around us have failed, that we won't turn a cold shoulder and we won't say, I can't believe you, but we would be like Jesus and we'd say, I'm here to help. All you got to do is ask. That's the heart of our church, and I believe that's the heart that God desires for all of us to have as we continue to walk out and live according to his purposes and plans. Amen. Can we pray today, Father? I thank you.